All right, guys, so this is Noah Broderick. I'm Tyler Smith. And this is the Baseball in the Burroughs podcast. Let's go. Episode number eight of Baseball in the Burroughs podcast live today. Uh, Tyler and I recording about four days after our last episode, um, trying to pump out a little bit more content for you guys. Uh, and today's a little bit of a special episode because later in the episode, we're going to be joined by a very special guest, uh, NYM underscore news on Instagram. It's the biggest Mets Instagram fan page uh, on social media, about 75,000 followers. He's a great guy, uh, really knowledgeable on baseball, and we're happy to get him on here to talk Tyler's Mets. So Yeah, I'm really excited to have him on, honestly, just because... We'll probably talk about it later when Jaron is his name. He comes on. But I was actually on one of his radio shows slash podcast in the 2016 offseason, the 2015 offseason going into 2016. And I remember, Noah, the big talking point then was we were talking about an outfield bat the Mets should sign. This is before the re-signed Cespedes. And so one of the sales pitches was Yasiel Puig to the Mets, and that was the big thing. Obviously, oh, yeah. we ended up bringing back Cespedes. <laughs> He's out there but, now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw someone tweet about it before. Yeah, Jaron's a really good guy. I've talked to him a few times about just, you know, Mets offseason rumors, trades during the season, and he's very proactive on his Instagram. He uses Twitter a little bit, but he's mainly an Instagram user. You'll actually see, I don't know if you follow him, but he'll have his posts on, he'll be at Dodger Stadium, and he'll be handing out his business cards, NYM News business cards. Oh, to really? Guys I, just, I just, just follow him. Yeah, he'll hand them out to like, like a Syndergaard or whatever. I forget exactly who it was, but yeah, he's a cool guy. I'm really excited to have him on, and yes, yeah, so... We have not too much to talk about in the baseball world, which is good that we're bringing in Jaron later. So, yeah, man, we have the NFL playoffs coming up. We have the Arenado rumors, which we could touch on a little bit. I don't. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen SNY always puts the, out the the, uh, the Wilpon propaganda and like, like an awful Photoshop it's, of it's like, Arenado. Yeah, it's like it's like Arenado, a near perfect fit for the Mets. It's like Arenado's a good fit for basically everybody Any who team. doesn't have Anthony Rendon or Matt Chapman or Alex Bregman on their team. So it's. I like that you said Matt Chapman. I'm surprised you said Matt Chapman. I mean, what, you don't like Matt Chapman? No, I mean, I like him. I just, he's a guy that I, I was just like, thinking of. I didn't baseman. think you'd say him. I yeah, just no, didn't I think you'd say him. I was just bringing off some third baseman. But, yeah, so. Arenado's overrated. He, oh, this is going to so, make I you mad. I love Arenado. He's so good. I know. It's good. Man, well, this is good. So we got to fight on this, some of the yeah. stuff. We disagree on this. So, here, look, Arenado is a five to six win player. Never eclipsed a six win mark, but he's a five to six win player. He's still in the prime of his career. He's great. People talk about him like he's a top five player in baseball. He's not. That's fair. He is wicked with his glove, though. Oh, he's wicked. That. Yeah, I know. He's been a gold lover ever since he came in the league. But I think I think you could say he's a little overrated just because of how good people think he is. But at least he's he's just incredibly consistent. Like his entire career, he's been so good. And I'm sure the numbers are inflated at cores a little bit. I don't know if you have the splits up, but I'm sure he's a worse hitter on the road. I can get him up. All I'm just going to tell you is that he's pretty much he's a career 120 weighted runs created plus, which means he's only 20 percent better than the league average hitter, which is weird. And that's obviously park adjusted, so. They're taking away from him a little bit. Like, if he put up those numbers in Houston, it'd be a little bit different and they'd be higher. But uh, I'll, I'll get his splits up now. I just I think those numbers are real, though. But I said this about LeMahieu last year, and look how that turned out. So maybe yeah. maybe if he came to the American League, he'd be even better. I don't yeah. know. I think – I just have a soft spot for third baseman. I don't know why. I was a corner infielder when I played baseball. My Donaldson jersey's hanging up in my college dorm somewhere right now. I'm a big third baseman guy. I think he's awesome. One thing with him is he's never, in the few years at the Rockies, the past couple years they've been in the postseason, whenever it was, 
he's never really produced in the postseason. And the Rockies have always been a team that really needed a big hit. Excuse yeah. me. In all of those series. And he never really came up with that big hit. He's always been one of those like top five, top ten guys, but he's he's won a ton of gold gloves and silver sluggers, but he's never been able to get that MVP. So I think I guess you're right. Until he gets that MVP, he's I guess he's someone you really can't talk about as like one of the five best players in baseball. Yeah. I mean, I guess hit, that's fair. He hit three fifty one at home and two seventy seven on the road. That's just batting average. That's not the most important statistic. That's all I can get up here right now for some reason. None of the other slash lines are loading. As you're trying to look for these crazy uh, alien <laughs> numbers, do you think that that's how you work in baseball? Yeah. Though you know the yeah. alien numbers. I respect that. No, they're actually they're going to be called alien numbers moving forward. Now it's a good name for until them. they all take us over. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you think there's any chance? That the Mets could ever work a deal for uh, for uh, uh, Arenado because I really don't even think they have the pieces for it. They'd have to give up. They have to give up. Oh, they do. They have to give up like the, the rest of their farm. Yeah, they they do have them, but like they would have a completely depleted farm. And then I think they'd have to do a combination of prospects in the system as well as some major league ready talent, perhaps like a Syndergaard or an arm like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Syndergaard would be the guy. I think more like Stephen Matz would be the pitcher and then maybe i just don't think steven Matz would ever be one of the guys going this way in a trade that's sending nolan all right not him, not just him but yeah, yeah, uh, no, steven Matz, brandon nemo <sighs> i wonder if they'd ask mcneil probably not steven Matz, brandon nemo dom smith becomes their first baseman and they need it probably whoever your best prospect is andres jimenez andres jimenez which is a guy i'd be fine getting rid of they have another middle infield i think is uh running maruccio's in the system they have guys like that. I would love to see it. But what if they ask I for just, Rosario? Ooh, Which would be weird because hurts. I don't know who would be a shortstop at that point. But yeah. Like he's a young, controllable play, position player. Where would they play Rosario though? If they have well, Story's Smith a free agent in two years anyway. So if they yeah. traded Arenado, I think they just trade Story just because they're gonna just gonna tear it all down at that point. Arenado has two years left before he can opt out again. Even though he got that eight-year extension, which now is seven-year extension, um, he can still opt out. And I've heard a lot of talk that the Rockies. If they're not gonna, if he opts out, they're not gonna bring him back because it's just too much money for a player who's gonna be past his prime in the ending years of that. So, and they don't really think they can compete in these next two years anyway. Yeah. So I think that's why you say, uh, saw guys like JP Morosi saying there's a 50, 50 chance that he gets traded, which is kind of ridiculous to put yeah. it at a fifty percent mark. I don't think it's that high. I think that's probably uh, the Rocky or somebody you know leaking that out to Morosi to kind of give him a headline. But um, I think the chances that he gets traded are real, and I think the Mets are a good fit. I tweeted that out yesterday. I didn't really tweet that thinking about the package going back. More so, it's just fit. He's another superstar that the Mets can sell their fan base on. He's a guy, Steve Cohen, like you said, with new ownership, wouldn't mind paying. Um, in the fans' minds, he's a top five player. And even you know, if I had my quibbles about that, he's still probably a top ten. I'd yeah. put him in the top ten. Regardless, or of, nine if, or regardless 10. if you say he's overrated, he's going to have a bigger impact than the majority of players. In the yeah, NBA, like you so. throw him in the middle of that lineup with that rotation, and you know the rebuild bullpen. I think the Mets instantly become the favorites in the National League East because just a guy like that can put your team over the top. Uh, kind of like what we've seen with some of these recent signings last year. Donaldson going to the Braves, yeah. not as big, but it you know really helped them become a huge force in the National League and. If it wasn't for a fluke inning, they'd probably be playing in the NLCS. So, I think that I would love to see Arenado. Obviously, you've heard me talk about him nonstop the first seven minutes of this show. I would love to have Arenado in Queens. I think that Mookie Betts would still be the better player to trade for just because, one, I think he'll have a bigger impact on the Mets. And, two, it's kind of like a weird thing to put. You put Arenado a third, obviously he'll take that job. But you already have kind of a messy infield right there with a lot of different options. 
even with guys like Jed Lowry, who Brody Van Wagen and still wants <laughs> to be an impact player. I don't think I seriously you don't said think Je- for the it, listeners. Tyler turned to me. Jed Lowry needed quotation marks. Yeah, because I don't. I don't think the guy exists. I, I I refer to him as Dead Lowry. That's what I referred to him as last year. I think he pinched shit probably in like ten games last year. But I think if you put Mookie Betts in center, that kind of makes more sense. Uh, I think he he probably costs less in a trade. Would you agree? Because he's under well, contract yeah, one, for one more season. One year. Yeah. And I think if you trade for Mookie Betts. Ultimately, you're gonna re-sign him. That's with the, with the he's not Boston's money. only guy either. Yeah, so he's the I Rockies star. Like the I, Red Sox can sell their fans on Bogarts, and yeah. they can sell him on Devers and Sale. Mm-hmm. He's the Rockies guy. As I, good a story is he's not a franchise. I player. think that you could trade for Mookie and then re-sign him, especially with this Cohen money we talk about. So I love Arenado. I'd be fine with either of them. I'm talking as if the Mets are gonna get one of them. I think the most likely thing for the Mets at this point is that they bring in a guy like Starling Marte. Obviously, probably pepper Jaron with some questions about that trade with Brandon Nimmo and whatnot. But, yeah, so Nolan Arenado is kind of one of the only talking points, I guess, in the MLB right now. So, Noah, how are your heat doing? <laughs> Dude, they got a good win last night. They grinded out against the Toronto Raptors, uh, 84-76 win. Uh, I think Bam had 15 and 14. Uh, Butler didn't do anything. He was like 2 for 11 from the field or something like that. But, they're just finding ways to win night in and night out. And I think the league is on notice at this point that they're a legitimate threat. Not to win the championship, but just to be a real pain in the ass in the Eastern Conference. Like, they're a team I think will definitely get out of the first round. I know a lot of people at school are even telling me that maybe they're just a you know, one-round team. And uh, that remains to be seen. You know, they have a lot of young guys who haven't really proven anything yet, uh, including Hero, who's hitting some huge shots. Like that, uh, that three in transition that Tyler and I talked about. Uh, briefly last episode but they're uh they're doing really well the nba has been a lot of fun in general i'm kind of at the point where i'm just ready for the playoffs to start because i think we know who the really good teams are in the nba i think there's about 11 or 12 teams that you would give a fair chance to win the title i don't know about even win because like the utah jazz is probably not gonna win the title right. but there's 11 or 12 teams that could win a playoff series at least i'll say and uh compete and then you obviously have teams that you know haven't been there in a while like the lakers or the clippers who are probably going to be fighting for that chance to go to the finals. So I'm, I'm excited to see how this NBA season plays out, but Miami's doing great right now. And if you're talking about the playoffs, I think it's ultimately fair to talk about the Knicks, who are now 6-6 six and six <laughs> under Mike Miller. They're only five games out of the eighth seed right now. I know. Obviously, we'll, have, we'll have to talk in a few weeks. And the Nets are under 500 now. Yeah, it's, it's They're so only six out of the seventh seed. Like, I know he has like an injury. He's Jed Lowry, before. but really, he is Jed Lowry, really but a lot better and a lot worse of a teammate. That is true. Yeah, at least Jed Lowry was there for his teammates. But, yeah, so I, I mean, think – Kyrie, do you think the Nets are better without him? Like, it sounds ridiculous because of the talent. I think, it was, I think it's kind of like that Kevin Durant thing. Remember last year when KD hurt his Achilles and I think the Warriors won that game and everyone's like, oh, yeah, the Warriors are better. I never thought better. that, though. I never, no, I never did. In People, 2017, I started thinking of it with the Celtics when they went on that deep playoff run and yeah. almost went to the finals. And they were playing all their rookies. Yeah. They're playing guys like the Heat have now, like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Terry Rozier. There, and then Horford was their vet. That's kind of what the Heat are right now with Butler and then Bam is their young guy and then Hero and guys yeah. like that. That was kind of the run like that. And I kind of feel that way about Miami when people start talking about trades, like bringing in guys like that. They might actually like upset the chemistry, upset yeah. the app card a little bit. You, do you think Kyrie's doing that? Like, I, I could kind of see him throwing off the chemistry a little bit, but I think ultimately in terms of performance on the floor, their best bet is to be playing with Kyrie. I know it's not up to them right now. He's obviously injured. But, like, again, it's like that KD thing where people said they're better without him. But you got to realize that when Durant's healthy, and obviously aside from the Achilles injury, he's probably one of the three best players in the NBA. Uh, he's the best. Well, he was, I think, in my opinion, think so? before that. 
Well, you'll have, I to, argue, said you'll have to argue David Williamson on that back one. Back in April, I would have said Kevin Durant's the best player in the NBA. That's fair. Now it's I don't know. a ridiculous score. I don't, I don't like talking about him. It's just sad. You know, we were talking about it last episode, as big of a Thunder fan as I was back in the day, and Kevin Durant was like my second favorite well, athlete. You should be still be a Thunder fan instead of a Knicks fan. They're in the playoffs right now. I found that the Nick, the Thunder at least were on more of a national stage when they made that run, and then obviously the Heat beat them in that finals. But they were more on a national stage. They had a lot of primetime games, so it was easier for me to follow the Thunder. Oh, you said so you were an actual fan back then? Yeah. So like I, I, when, I knew a lot of Thunder fans back then. I was the only played, fan. Everybody yeah, liked no, the whenever, uh, whenever the Thunder played, me and Cal would always watch the games, and I liked following them a lot. Once Durant left, they still had Westbrook, and they were still like a fringe playoff team. I think they made a couple of playoffs. And then at that point, they kind of lost a little bit of national prominence, and so it was kind of hard for me to follow them. So I transitioned to becoming a Knicks fan. Which I guess was a terrible idea. I had <laughs> you have national attention. It's just negative. Yeah, I had a couple of my friends were Knicks fans, and it was easy to talk basketball with them and to learn more aside from talking Thunder with one person, which is my brother. And on top of that, for me, it's more fun to follow a team that I can watch every day. Like a team that I can, if I want to go watch them, I can take a train and go watch them. They're on every night on TV. I don't have to worry about watching them once a week or once every other week like the Thunder were. So I guess, yeah, in hindsight, it probably would have been better to stick with the Thunder. But as much as it sucks watching the Knicks struggle. I know they've been playing better, like I said, with Mike Miller. It is fun to have a team to root for here, and it's fun to watch some of those young guys, even though the team for most of the season, aside from since Mike Miller came in, they had been pretty terrible. But, yeah, I think, I think I'm think i okay where I am right now. But at the same time, my brother's really enjoying the Thunder run right now they have with Shea and CP3, He's nice. Steven Adams, and He's those nice. guys. He's nice. He can yeah, he, uh, Callen, whoever else is in our – we have a basketball chat, and they were talking about uh, – like how Shea's really good. And not only are they getting Shea, but they're also getting a ton of picks from the Is it Clippers. Shea or Shy? I don't even know. I think it's Shea. It's well, Shea? That's, that's okay. what I hear him referred to as. So I think it's Shea. I keep saying Shy. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think CP is better than Westbrook too. That was a talk. I, was I don't, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about either of them this year to argue about that, but I feel like Westbrook West- has just been so terribly inefficient for a while he's now. Obviously like he a- had his, he averaged a triple bubble last year, I think. And then obviously well, the season. Yeah. It, it's impressive, but at the same time, Anyone who watched that Blazer series last year, Russ, he sold really hard. So. Yeah, I mean, every time he's just erratic. They'd be yeah. down by six, you know, eight points with four minutes left. The and face. Yeah, exactly. And he'd run down the court and he'd lose the ball out of bounds or he'd take contested threes. And I just like, I, I cannot have this guy on my team. And then when the Heat were like desperate for attention this summer, talking about Westbrook, I was suddenly all in on him. So maybe I can't talk about him, but I don't think, uh, I don't think he's a great guy to have on your team. No, as I always say, this is a baseball podcast. Let's not keep him waiting any longer. It's time to talk to our special guest. All right, so our special guest today is a guest I've been wanting to have on for a while. He's the biggest Mets fan page on Instagram. It's Jaron at NYM underscore news. Jaron, why don't you introduce yourselves to the listeners? Hey, guys. So, yeah, um, as Tyler just said, uh, I'm, my name is Jaron. I'm in college now, but I run the biggest Mets fan page on Instagram. I've been doing this for uh, over like six seasons now, so excited to start my seventh season, seventh season coming up here in 2020. Yeah, so as most Mets fans, or I know a lot of Mets fans know, a lot of my friends, uh, kids I go to school with, they've been following Jaren's page for a while. I've been following Jaren's page for a while, and he's got a little bit of a uh, – he's got a, another celebrity in the family, actually. Can you talk a little bit about Mets Maniac? Because he went, I think, semi-viral in like the 2017 season, I believe it was. Right, it was like that. I don't know if you remember, but it was like that terrible, terrible loss in Washington. The Mets lost like twenty-three to five, like some ridiculous number like that. And uh, my brother like filmed this video in his room at the time. He was doing Mets Maniac rants, but he only had like two thousand followers. 
then someone sent it to Barstool Sports, and then Barstool posted. And from there, he was getting calls for the New York Post, Daily News. We saw him in Yahoo uh, Sports, Bleacher Report. He was everywhere for like a week. <laughs> it was crazy. Wow, that's crazy, man. All right, so what yeah. I want to know is uh, how did you start the Instagram account? What gave you the inspiration to do that? And how do you plan to keep it growing? And is it like a grind or is it fun? Like, tell me about it. Yeah, so um, back when I first started in, uh, in 2014, I was a seventh grader. And at the time, I was simply a fan looking for a page to follow. Like, I was like, you guys, I was like looking for a page that pre- uh, produced Mets content all the time. And uh, to my amaze, I couldn't really find a single, like, solid page that I really liked, genuinely would follow. So I just decided to take matters into my own hands. I started NYM News. I grinded for, like, 1K. It took me a few months. But once I got to 1K, like, everything just started, like, really flowing nicely for me. And then, uh, obviously, now, (laughs) six seasons later, uh, it's, like, 70,000-plus followers. So I had to stick with it. Uh, And to your second question, whether it's a grind or something I really enjoy, I think it's both, like, I'm not going to lie, like, there's sometimes where it could be a pain in the ass, like, I'll be out with friends, but then, like, some news will come out and be like, alright, guys, like, I have to post this, leave me alone for a second. But, uh, no, I, it's always been my passion, and uh, I'm looking forward to taking it to the next step by possibly making it, like, you know, some sort of career path for me. And so, I think you're uh, based out of California, right? Yeah. I'm from Los Angeles, yeah. So, a question I always kind of had that I never really asked you in, uh, like, the few years we've interacted and whatnot what is it like following a team on the East Coast and you're living on the exact opposite of the country? Is it ever hard with, like, the game times and stuff? How does that work? It is. Like, uh, you know, I like to sleep in. So uh, uh, all the 1 p.m. games for you guys in New York and New Jersey, those games are at 10 a.m. for us on the West Coast. So it's pretty tough. Same thing with the NFL. It's tough waking up at uh, 10 a.m. Aside from that, though, like, uh, it hasn't really been too difficult for me. And whenever the Mets come to, like, San Diego or L.A. or occasionally Anaheim, uh, we always make the road trips to come see the boys. This is kind of off topic here, but you mentioned from you're from the West Coast. I went about two years ago with my dad, and we went and uh, toured all those ballparks. Which one of those, as a Met fan perspective, is your favorite to be a road fan in? Is it Petco? Because you guys kind of took that over. I remember when Bartolo hit that home run in that place. It was crazy. Were you there? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was actually there, and I filmed the home run. I was with the Seven Line Army. I filmed. I remember the home that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, I think that my favorite ballpark by far uh, in SoCal is definitely a uh, Petco Park. Yeah. Dodger Stadium is pretty gross. I don't know if you've been. I have, uh, it's, yeah. It's, it was not, old. it's not as nice as it looks on TV at all. It's like Fenway. Honestly. It's the exact same thing as yeah. Fenway. And I'm saying that from a Yankee fan perspective, so maybe it's a little bit biased. But, yeah, no, I, I completely get that. So, Jer- I, Personally, I, I like Fenway, but, yeah, I, I definitely see your point on that. I've only been out to Fenway once. It was pretty nice. I was also still young, so I didn't have as strong as a perspective as I probably could have now, now that I'm 18, 19 years old, whatever. Um, so there's that, obviously. And Jaron, you're always taking a few trips over to City Field throughout the year. Uh, I was actually at the game. Uh, I'm sure you remember when Todd Frazier hit the big through and home run against the Nationals. It was I, I remember first it. Start. You were texting me yeah. on absolutely crazy. I, I remember I. Uh, it was probably my favorite Mets game I've ever been to, just because I remember when Conforto hit the walk off over Eaton's head. I jumped like three rows back. I was so excited. So that's probably my favorite moment uh, at a Mets game live. What would you say of the limited trips you've been able to make, obviously, because you're so far away? What has been your best memory in person at a Mets game, whether it's at City Field or it's somewhere like Dodger Stadium? Well, like, unfortunately, as you said, I haven't really been to City Field too often. Like, I've been at, like, about, like, maybe 10, 15 times now. But my favorite moment by far has to be the 2015 NLDS. I saw the Mets able to clinch in L.A. uh, back in 2015. So that was great. 
Now tell me about that 2015 season running that Instagram page. Was that your favorite year that you've been running uh, the Instagram page or have you had a year that's been a little bit better for you in terms of pumping out content or, you know, a team that you've gravitated to more? Cause I know Tyler, he's talking about that 2015 uh, team nonstop. I don't know if you felt the same way about those guys. Oh yeah, no, I definitely feel the same way. That's my childhood team. That's a team I'll always remember for the rest of my life. And that's definitely my favorite season. Uh, I mean, to put in perspective how big the, the account grew over the course of that season, uh, opening day of 2015, NYM News is at like 5,000 followers. And a year from that, um, at opening day 2016, when they were in Kansas City, at that point, NYM News is at 35,000 followers. So oh, wow. it jumped like about 30,000 followers in just a year. It was crazy. And it's, I think it's something special about New York sports in general is when the Mets are bad or really any team in New York is bad, they get a ton of attention. But when the Mets start to click like we saw in like the July and August month of 2019 – Everybody, yeah. it's just so contagious. They keep winning. It seems like they can't stop. And the city gets so much fun. I mean, even when you have the MLB uh, Instagram and Twitter accounts, they're always posting about the Yankees. And then when they start posting about the Mets, it's something that's awesome. So it, it's a little annoying. I don't, I don't know if it's different out in California, but there will be, when the Mets are struggling, like I'll be the, one of the few guys still talking about them. But then as soon as they start winning and then they start going to a playoff series, you see everybody in their National League Division Series gear and they've never been Mets fans in their lives. So that can be a bit annoying, but I guess that's what you have to get with the New York market. No, yeah, you're absolutely right there. Um, you know, I think that also has a lot to do with the ownership. If they gave, if they gave the fans a lot more to cheer for, I think they would be out in full force like the Yankees are. But uh, since we are really given like these like, little runs in August and July, and occasionally a crazy October run like in 2015 and 2006. Uh, we have to really uh, take what we're given, you know? Now, I heard you mention ownership. This is kind of off uh, off topic, but I wanted to get your take on what you think of Steve Cohen coming in because I know Tyler's, uh, you know, so happy about it. And uh, as from a Yankee fan's perspective, I'm really happy about it too because now I think we're going to have two franchises in the same city in the same market who are going to be spending on an equal playing field. I'm, I'm curious to see your take on that. Yeah, I, I think the Steve Cohen news is better than any any signing the Mets could have made this offseason, really. Uh because like now we know, even even though like the reports that's going to take around around five years, which I don't really buy, by the way, um, we we know for a fact now that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Once uh, that deal is finalized, I think Cohen will have majority ownership, and he's the guy who, to put in perspective, spent more on a single piece of art in his house than the Mets have ever spent on a uh, free agent. So <laughs> I didn't know really that. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I heard right. that once. It's, it's sad, but it's actually it's a good sign for yeah, moving forward. This dude spent like 140 million dollars on like some art sculpture just just for a hell of it. Like, like the banana in Miami. You heard about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll move on to uh, – we kind of got the background out of the way just because you need a time to definitely introduce yourself. You have such a big following. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening know you. So me and Noah have been covering some of the Mets stuff that's been happening the past few weeks, obviously the Porcello signing, the Waka signing, and then more recently the Batances signing. So we have some questions we're going to ask you about just uh, Mets front office and Mets signings. So first question, how do you feel about the Batances signing? Because I saw people talking about it, and obviously I think it's a very good signing. I think Batances is a great arm. But at the same time, it's not as if – I don't think Brody Van Wagenen should really be applauded for it. I think it's something he kind of had to do out of necessity. But I do think it's a good step. I'm not going to always be harsh on Brody. It was a good move. Uh, what do you think about it? You know, I absolutely agree with you. And, um, you know, I don't think people should be applauding Brody as if he, he brought Mookie Betts to the Queens either. Um, but at the same time, it was a signing that needed to be made. And I don't know about you, but I, I was pretty worried that even potentially would be too much to ask for with this ownership. I did too, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I was very, very pleased to see that uh, news when I woke up on Christmas Eve morning. That that was great. Um, In terms of Brody, though, um, I think he had to do more this offseason. I'm definitely satisfied with Patances, but 
you know, when you have the worst bullpen in franchise history since 1962 and you only, and you respond by signing only one external guy, that's a little concerning. But, you know, I, I love Patanches. I think he'll be great for us here in Queens. All right, now my first question to you is, this is a debate I always see with, like, the analytics people on Twitter. And now, granted, I like Sabermetrics too, but I think some people take it to a crazy extent. I've seen some people say Brandon Nimmo is the Mets' best position player. In your opinion, is that true? And if not, who is the best Mets position player? That is insanity. (laughs) We're on the same page Uh, here then. I'll definitely defend Nimmo in terms of not trading him for Starling Marte. I think that would be a very bad move for the Mets, but... No, I, I think uh, I think saying he's the best position player in the team is a uh, definitely an overstatement. Um, I think the best position player as of right now on the team has to be Pete Alonso after the year he's coming off of. And you also have guys like Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto, um, you know, uh, Mookie Betts. Davis, Mookie Rob Betts on the right Yeah, Mookie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mookie. So, then they sign no. JT Romuto next season. They give Mookie a contract and they trade for Arenado. It's all under Cohen. It's going to happen. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll take one of those guys. Yeah. Any of those guys would fit. So I was talking to Noah about this one time. I forget when it was. It might have been before the podcast even started. The 2015 run was obviously magical. And for kids our age, I think we're the same age, Jaron. It was really the first run that we could really get into. Like when we were younger, obviously 2006, I barely remembered the game when Wainwright froze Beltron with the curveball. I just remember my dad and my grandpa were watching. They were incredibly disappointed. I couldn't really process all of what happened. So 2015 was really the first run that they made. And I love that team all forever like that team. But I think when the pieces were clicking on both sides, I'm going to say the 2019 team might be my favorite team just because you had so you had DeGrom kind of come out of nowhere when the Cyung. I know it's weird to say because he was so dominant in 2018. It seemed like the first half DeGrom was like the second or third best pitcher in the National League. He kind of went under the radar. Obviously, Pete emerged. You had guys like J.D. Davis come out of nowhere. Ahmed Rosario obviously put together a best season that he's had so far. So I'm going to say 2019 is probably my favorite season to date for the Mets if we're counting regular season. Would you agree or are you still going to have to go with 2015? No, I would still go uh, with 2015. I definitely understand what you're saying, but for me, it all comes down to that first half because the 2019 first half for the Mets was so brutal. All those bullpen, all those bullpen implosions, all those games that could have and should have been won, it was just so painful to watch. And there was a point, I think, like uh, in May through June, early parts of July, where the Mets were blowing like literally every single game. And I don't even remember a more painful time for the Mets, honestly, in the regular season than that. So I, I just, you know, surely based off that, I can't go with 2019. And also, even in 2015, the Mets had their low, low moments for sure. But they were always around 500. The Mets at, at certain points dropped like uh, – to such a low point, they were only better than the Miami Marlins in the National yeah. League. That was the only team they were better than. So, you know, I, I, I have to go with uh, 2015 still, but I, I definitely understand what you're saying. It was Yeah, it was just weird watching the 2019 season because I remember there was the series. There were the talks of Brody saying he thinks the team could still win. They get swept in Miami by one of the worst teams in baseball. And it really – I feel like everything kind of just started to implode on the Mets. And the thing about the Mets, it always happens. When they make these runs, it feels like it's always out of the trenches. It always feels like they're completely out of it. And they just go on this remarkable run. So 2019 was exciting. I'm definitely hoping uh, 2020 we could build off of that, which, which should be a pretty good roster as long as we can kind of put the final uh, finishing pieces on it. Absolutely. I'm very excited for 2020, yeah. All right, so now you guys touched on DeGrom a little bit. Two consecutive Cy Youngs. He's, in in my opinion, the best pitcher in baseball, and that pains me to say with Garrett Cole coming uh, to my team. I want to ask both of you guys. I know Tyler and I talked about this a little bit. We haven't really debated it too much. Who is the best pitcher in baseball, and are they from New York? Or who is the best pitcher in New York? Because I think we you know, agree with those yeah. two. 
I mean, if you look at 2019, like like surely 2019, uh, it's Garrett Cole was better. He slightly out, outperformed Jacob DeGrom. But when you're the back-to-back Cy Young, I still think you have to hold the title of being the best pitcher in New York and also in baseball. So I'm going to go with my guy DeGrom on that. But I don't think Cole's too far behind at all. Yeah, I've said to Noah, I like to think of myself as a pretty unbiased Mets fan, to be honest with you. It's hard to really be biased as a Mets fan just because they're really never great. Obviously, they've put together a few good seasons in our lifetime so far. And they have a very good roster right now, in my opinion. They're young and they're exciting. I think that's fun. But it's really hard to kind of have that, like, Yankees mojo where you're always pretty much one of the best teams. So I still think it is DeGrom. But I've said to Noah that at any point, even as early as in 2020, I think Eric Cole can take over. But like you said, when you win back-to-back Cy Youngs, it's really hard to kind of come to New York and just take over that title. Absolutely. No, yeah. DeGrom's still the guy for sure. Noah, I have... I actually have a question from a listener for Jaron. It's about the NFL. Do you have any more questions about baseball, or do you want to transition to a couple? One uh, more, and then save the more. NFL. You we'll been, save the NFL. When I you. was getting that with the position player, there's one guy I think on the Mets position player-wise that could break out, and he already kind of did, but I think he could really take that all-star leap just looking deep into his numbers. That's J.D. Davis. Uh, Jaron, can you tell me uh, what you think the role for J.D. Davis will be in 2020, and do you think he should be an everyday starter? See, it's tough because, you know, J.D. is a great hitter, but he struggled defensively a lot last season. So I think in order for him to be an everyday starter, he definitely has to improve on defense. Defense was a major, major concern for the Mets last season. And unless some of these guys improve over the offseason, it'll probably still be a weakness and a concern next season as well. Um, I think even even with the defense, though, uh, the guy, he hits so well, especially in city field last season, that you have to find a way to put him into the lineup. And although he's not great defensively, he can still play a lot of different positions. So I think one way or another, JD should be able to be a everyday player, whether it's in the outfield or in the, uh, you know at third base or something. Uh, I don't know. They may have to get creative with it though, because since there's so many guys who are capable of playing every day on the team. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to try to get you in for a couple more baseball questions, but we do have a couple NFL and other non-related questions in terms of baseball. We've been seeing reports. Obviously, you don't know what to believe with the New York media. Media in general is just very skewed in some ways. There have been a lot of talks of attaching a guy like Dom Smith to a contract like Jed Lowry to kind of unload some of that salary moving forward for 2020. In my opinion, I think Dom Smith, obviously, I think you agree. He's a great glove. He's a very good hitter. It seems like all the guys in the clubhouse love him. But there's no real spot on the team with him considering, one, you have Pete Alonso, who has that spot at first base anchored for sure. And second, worst comes to worst, if you really need to – have a backup first baseman. You have a guy like Robinson Cano who has played there before. So unfortunately, as much as I like Dom Smith, I don't think it's almost fair to him to have him just sit the bench his entire career as a Met when he's capable of starting. So would you feel comfortable dealing him if you got major league talent in return? Because I think at this point, just with the emergence of Pete Alonso and the options we have around the infield, I would be fine getting rid of Dom Smith. I just think you have to get something good in return. I don't think it's fair to attach him to Jed Lowry just to dump Jed Lowry. I think you need to get value out of Dom Smith. So where do you stand on that? No, I agree with you 100%. I think Dom Smith is great. He's obviously, like you said, uh, he's got a great glove, great bat. He's coming off a career year, finally broke out last season. But at the same time, when you have Pete Alonso playing first base, where are you going to put Dom Smith? Uh, I think Smith would be a great fit for an American League team, whether he's at first base or potentially even a DH. Um, I think the Mets should try to explore trading him for a reliever. You know, I mean, uh, I think, like you said, it wouldn't really make much sense to attach him on a Jed Lowry deal. Like, he, Smith has so much value and he's so young, former top prospect, that you shouldn't just trade him just to trade him. If you're going to trade him, get real major league talent for him. Don't just dump a contract. Yeah, so that's exactly what I said. I think it's kind of unfair to him that 
he's a player who's really kind of starting to reach his full potential. Obviously, 2017, I believe it was, and him and Rosario came up. They were young. They showed some signs. And obviously, Dom lost all that weight. He looks really good. And I think ultimately, like you said, you do have to bring him back. So I think, Noah, you have one more question. Then yeah, it's like a two-part question. So I just want to know how many wins, just a rough guess right now, with the roster currently constructed for the Mets in 2020 and an early World Series prediction. Hmm, I got this. Uh, so I haven't even really thought about the World Series yet. All right, we can scratch that. You can just do Mets wins then. That's fine. When we have you on, when we have you on another time, we'll get your uh, World Series prediction. But for now, let's just stick with the Mets wins. Ask me around opening day because we still have to see where guys like Josh Donaldson and Marcelo is going to end up. But um, I I would say the Mets are still around that eighty-eight mark, eighty-eight win mark, maybe upwards of ninety wins. It's just so tough because I understand a lot of people like refer to like what what happened with the bullpen last last season. They're like, oh well, if the bullpen's just average this season, the Mets will be fine. But also a lot of things went right for the Mets too. You got, got you had guys like Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonso breaking out. Uh, for the most part, the rotation was healthy, and the team overall was pretty healthy, especially compared to other seasons in the past. Got lots of guys also stepped up like JD Davis, Tom Smith, etc. Um, so I would say like you know assuming the bullpen improves, but also assuming some of these other guys who broke out last season's uh, come down to earth, I would say the Mets are. Going to be a little bit better than last season, but they're still not quite there in terms of being a perennial contender in the major in Major League Baseball. I think they are like right behind that point. I think they can they can contend for a wild card though for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. It's tough for me with them because I think they have a lot of talent on paper. And I looked at the Fangraphs projections, and I think they're projected to have the second most WAR in the National League. And they just have a lot of talent on the team, but you kind of never know how it's going to gel. But I think if you stay healthy and you know. I know a lot about teams not staying healthy based on last year. Uh, so it, it, that's a big if. But if you guys stay healthy, that you have a chance to win the division. The Braves. No, I, be- definitely think they, I, I definitely think they have the upside to come out of the National League. But, I, I mean, especially as a Mets fan, you can't just go purely based off upside. You know, a lot of things can go wrong over the course of the season. Uh, they still have lots of question marks. So I'm still going to bank on them being around the 88 to 90 win mark. I don't know if I can say definitively like Fangraphs does that they're going to be the second-best team in the National League. I think that's a little bit of a stretch as of right now. Yeah, honestly, I was thinking about that question off-air. I had the, someone submit in the question, and so I actually answered exactly the same as you did. I think the bullpen will improve. I think Diaz will bounce back. I'm personally not as high as familiar. I just don't think he's been the same in a while. I think, obviously, Diaz will bounce back. I think Batantis will be really good. And at the same time, as these guys will improve, it'll certainly strengthen the club. But at the same time, you don't know if Jeff McNeil is going to be as great as he was last year. It's going to be hard for Pete Alonso to replicate the season he put up last year. It's kind of like the Aaron Judge thing in his rookie year. He pretty much set the bar so high, it's impossible to get there back again. So I think you answered that perfectly. I'm going to ask you now a question about the NFL. So our friend, the listener, Steve Bergman, he's a fellow Jet fan. I know you're a Jets fan, Jaron. He asks, do you want the Jets to trade Jamal Adams or do you want them to extend him? Extend him. If they, if they trade Jamal Adams, I may have to hang it up as a Jets fan. I may, that may be the last draw. Then go to a California draw. team. Hang on to San Francisco or something. Do not become a Giants fan. Yeah, Judge, yeah, we're no, both Giants no. fans. You don't want to do that. I, w- I would just be probably like only a fantasy football watcher. I, honestly, I'll probably still always be a Jets fan, but no, if they trade Jamal Adams, I'll go crazy. That would All be right. a very, very tough pill to swallow. All right, since you're a football fan, this I think it's fair to ask you now. Give me your Super Bowl prediction. Uh, that's tough. That's tough. Thankfully, I don't think it's the Patriots' year, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens behind uh, Lamar Jackson. He's just been going insane this season. 
And also, I think it'll be the Niners coming out of the NFC. I think we're going to see a Ravens-Niners rematch in the Super Bowl. I agree That's on San Francisco. Right yeah. I agree. San Francisco looks like a championship team. I think that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I had. A, yeah. I have a cousin. He's a Saints fan. I have him and the Ra- I have the Saints and the Ravens. The Breeze, Lamar Jackson, Super Bowl. I'm riding with the Saints. Jaron, we don't want to keep you here too much longer. There's not too much to talk about in the baseball world, but we really appreciate you coming on the show. And anytime there's other Mets news – or any discussion we really need. If you'd like to come on, we'd love to have you. So thanks a lot for calling. Yeah, yeah, happy to come on, guys. Appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks so much. So we're going to move into some questions. As we're hoping we can do, as long as this podcast goes, we're going to feature Brian's Trivia Minute. Brian has a decade-and-end question. Brian asks, Noah, who led the MLB in hits in the 2010s? I know the answer, but I will tell you who I picked because I picked the wrong answer. I'm not going to say. I know it's not Trout. I know it's not Trout. Um, It's just a matter of who was playing in 2010, 2011. I want to say Altuve, but he wasn't playing back then either. So he was another guy I thought of because he's a big hit guy, but he didn't play that well. Yeah, it's a guy who has to be playing the whole entire decade. Um, Pujols. Nope. So I had. You want one more guess? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Give me one more guess. Give one more guess. Pujols, another guy. It's a good guess. Adrian Beltre. Nope. Votto. Touch? Nope. I'm gonna give you it now. Posey. So, nope. <laughs> I had. I thought it was. I had. I had pool holes, and then I thought Miguel Cabrera could have. Oh, been Batista? Up there. No, Not he didn't play enough lately. You know who it is? I'll give yeah, you a hint. No, give me. A, give me a league. National League East. Okay. All right. In a division. Oh, so that's it, not. no way it's a Philly. Um. Look around. What 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 kind of hats do I have up here? I know you have Mets hats. But I, have, I have Mets hats up here. <laughs> Mets. Think, think Mets. He's a Met player. Uh, well, it's not David Wright. It's the opposite of Jared Kalenic. Robinson Cano. Yes, it's okay. Robinson Cano. Was yes. there, uh, Robinson Cano? Good for him. Yeah, I was, I was honestly He surprised. was a Yankee. I should have done that. I he thought, was great in those years. I thought Miguel Cabrera and Pujols were two of the I didn't think it was Cabrera just because of recent years because he's yeah. been so banged up. Yeah. I was trying to think of guys. Who I just were... thought that those triple crown years, like when he was nearly a triple crown winner, I thought that he could have been in there, but... I didn't think about Robinson Coon or all those monster years he had. Brian's got to tell me when uh, Beltre and Pujols, where they were on that list. Yeah. They had to be pretty close. So I'm, said, I'm convinced they're like top five. There's no also, way they're not. He also said that Cano finished the 2010s with 1,695 hits, 961 of them coming in the first half of the decade, most likely when he was using those PEDs for the most part. But we won't <laughs> talk about that. He was. He, I don't think so. I don't think he was ever on PEDs with us. I think he went to that big ballpark in Seattle and said, I can't hit home runs here. I'm going to juice, right. but we'll see. So we have a question. We have a few questions, actually. I'm going to ask you another question from a listener. So for myself, complete the following sentence. The Mets make the postseason as long as blank. And I think Noah will probably agree with me on this one. There's a couple ifs with the Mets, but I think ultimately if that bullpen holds up and they improve how poorly they were from how poorly they were last year, if guys like Diaz bounce back, and if Batantis becomes a good signing like we think he is, and obviously Justin Wilson and Seth Lugo continue to pitch really well. I think that's the most surefire bet for the Mets making the postseason. So that's the first part of the question. Second part of the question, uh, you can see the priorities for Mets and Yankees fans are a little different. So the question is for Noah, the Yankees make the World Series or win the World Series as long as blank. Uh, Two things. If Garrett Cole and Luis Severino are on their game and healthy in the playoffs, and if they can get the big hit. Okay. Because this year, all they needed was the big hit, despite the pitching being bad. Now that they have the pitching, they may not need the big hit. But even if like they have any form of the pitching, if they get the big hits, they should be good to go. Okay. All right, two more questions. The first one, MVP prediction for both AL and NL. You go first. Oh, man. Well, I don't like this question. It's so, it's so hard to think about. 
nationally. Well, you know, last year I went really off the grid and I picked Marcelo Zuna just for fun. Did you really? Yeah, I, I, did. I, I, like to, I like tweeted it in as a joke to you, but I feel like I want to go. I feel like I got to go. All right, let's, let's add another wrinkle to this. We can't pick Mike Trout or Christian Yelich. Okay. How about out of the National League? I'm going to take – or the American League. Excuse me. I'm going to take Anthony Rendon. Okay. National League, I am you going know, to take – Before you fought, make that final, you think a player not named Trout on the same team is going to win? I just I don't know if they're going to do that. I think they're going to say they're like equal, and so they can't That's give fair. to one of them. Let me have fun. You know I like to have fun with my predictions. Know, do you have I a know. prediction for the American League or National League while I think of Judge. <laughs> Simple. He stays healthy. He's one of the best players. That's, no, that's fair. I was thinking about picking Judge for the American League. As long League, as he but... stays healthy, I'll take him almost any year. As long as if – besides Trout. Yeah. Trout, Betts, Bregman, Judge. Those are the clear-cut four best in the AL. But um, So I'll just take my guy. NL, you got one? How about this? Ready? Uh-huh. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. I'm, you know, I it's think, not crazy. It's not I crazy. Think, I think Zach Goldman's going to really like me for this one. We, uh, we're, we're, we're fans of pretty much all opposite sports teams. I'm a big Arsenal fan. He's a big Tottenham fan. I'm a big Mets fan. He's a big Phillies fan. So I think I have to get on his good side again. Now, but in all seriousness, I, I like, like I always say to you, I like to have a little fun with my predictions. Uh, I think I had the Nationals. Didn't I have the Nationals in the NLCS last year or something like that? Yeah, and I think you got I've been it. to the Dodgers and I got it right. But I'm, if I was putting money on it, I probably wouldn't put money on Bryce Harper and I probably wouldn't put money on Anthony Rendon. But I like to have a little fun with it. I feel like we've talked about it off air. Bryce Harper has almost gotten so overrated that he's getting to the point where he's underrated, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know. I think I he's think, just rated. I think yeah, some people I think, have yeah, I think it's wrong fair. perceptions about him both yeah. ways. I think so. that. I think the Phillies are going to be a lot better. I think Girardi is going to help them a lot. He has a little more protection in the lineup now. So I think Harper would be a fun pick, and I could totally see him dominating in that ballpark. So All right, NL, quickly. Oh, man. Um, I'll take – should I make you happy? Will you say Michael Conforto? No, no. <laughs> I was going to say Pete. I, don't I was know thinking about, about saying baseman. it, but I, I don't know. It's really, it's really I'll weird. take Acuna. I'll take a that's, that's a very good point. I don't even I like need to it. explain it. It's great. No, I like a right, One more question. One last question that we just got. Uh, this is from Jack Lucas we had on a couple episodes ago. Who's going to win the Central in both leagues? So I'll start for the AL. I'll say the Indians just because of that pitching staff. And I think the Twins are kind of like a one-year good, one-year bad type of team. And they haven't really done a whole lot besides Homer Bailey and Rich Hill, which uh, did happen in the previous week. We didn't really think that those two guys were worth doing a whole segment on. But uh, – yeah. They did sign with the Twins in the National League as of right now. I'm going to take the Cubs just with their roster that they have currently, but I'm not high on the Cubs because I just don't think that they're you know really good team wise, and I think they're going to trim some guys. So I could see Cincinnati in play there. I'm sure that's why you asked the question. I'm not a St. Louis fan. Milwaukee's done too much. I got to see what that team looks like. But right now, I'll say the Cubs. That's good. I'm going to take the Tigers and the Pirates. No, I'm just messing. <laughs> I think out of the American League Central, I'm going to go with the Twins again. I know you're not scared of the Twins. Every time the Yankees play them in the playoffs, they thrash them. I think that they kind of overachieved last year. They were a very good club. And then in the postseason, they really didn't put up much of a fight against the Yankees. I'm still going to roll with the Twins. I think the Indians have kind of exited their window. And the National League Central is weird because the Reds have done a lot to put themselves in that talk. And I think that's fair to say for sure. And at the same time, they're kind of that hot pick like the White Sox are. Because I know. So and then like the Padres. So, like, Everybody like the Padres last year. So I almost don't want to pick the Reds. I've been talking about it in a lot of episodes. I'm not high in the Brewers. I think the Cub- the Cubs haven't really been great past few years. They're just due for a year where they're pretty yeah. good. And, like, they have a new manager, and they still have a lot of talent on that team. That's just what I'm going to bet on right now. But I think they're going to cut – like, you know, they're going to get rid of Bryant or Schwarber. Yeah. So, so I think I'm going to go with the Reds, even though it is the hot pick. 
But at the same time, I could totally see it not really working out and it can just kind of turn the other way. So it's a very good question. We appreciate the questions. So yeah, thanks for that one. So as always, thanks for tweeting us and DMing us, texting us, whatever you do, asking us questions. A big shout out to Jaron once again at NYM underscore news on Twitter and Instagram for joining us. The biggest Mets page on Instagram. It was a lot of fun talking to him. We'll definitely have him on. So Noah, going into the NFL wild card round, any closing remarks on baseball, the NBA, or the NFL before we head off? Go Heat. I can't wait for baseball season, 39 days until pitchers and catchers report. Looking forward to that. Hopefully we get some news on Donaldson. Uh, hopefully we get some news on Azuna, Nick Castellanos, maybe some Arenado trade, Betts trade, whatever happens. Uh, and then the NFL, let's go Titans, baby. Right, riding with the Titans. Derrick Henry uh, and A.J. Brown. No, actually, I don't think they're going to win. Over Brady yet. I'm rooting anyway, for it. I'll be rooting for it. I'll be tuning into that game. Yeah, so once again, thanks for listening as always. We're approaching the 300 streams mark. We appreciate the questions. So we'll see you guys next week. Hopefully we have some more news. Thanks again for listening. As always, remember to tweet at us. I'm at T Smith Sports. Noah is at Noah Broderick 20. And the podcast is at B-A-T-B pod on Twitter.